0: Welcome to the Road of the Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the 2024 Olympic Trials. And we are doing our final Boston Marathon preview episode, and this one is with C.J. Albertson. C.J., welcome back to the show.
1: Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Hasn't been too long since I was on...
0: It hasn't, but I am excited to chat. That's sure. That's the beauty of this. You know, we catching up with people every four to six weeks or so to really get a sense of how things are going for them. We're going to talk plenty about your training week of logistics, how you like to prepare for race day, and Boston's not a new race for you. So also learning, because what you've learned from you know previous races and, and you know your 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 past experiences. But I will say before we get into. All of that. Last time we talked, I think the interesting part was like, it was. It seemed like you were struggling a little bit with motivation because just like, oh, you know, like getting out there can be tough sometimes. And I know a lot of amateur runners listen to that and they really related to what you were talking about. As I said, in the middle of the podcast, like this is how I feel oftentimes. Since that, you have put in a ton of miles. You've gone over 150 miles in a week, a couple of times in a row. What's it been like for you in terms of mentally preparing for Boston and getting yourself ready to run your best on that day?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think there was like a point where the motivation necessarily came. It was just, you kind of get to a point somewhere between six to eight weeks to go, uh, where you're just like, you, you know, you just, you just kind of have to do it. Um, and there's not really any any more time to think or find motivation. You just have to kind of just get it done and go. So um, I think for me, it's it's easiest to do that when I just kind of hop hop fully in. So, um, yeah, I think I, I had like 120, no, yeah, like 120 mile a week, then 130. Actually, there was one week where I was behind on mileage. Um, I think I ran like 30 miles the first three days, which isn't a lot for me. And then I did, uh, around a hundred, the last four days, um, to get to 130, but it was really like those four days. I mean, yeah, I ran a lot. And then, and then from there, I was just like, all right, like I just got to train. And, uh, so I did, yeah, a couple 160 mile weeks. And then these last couple have been kind of in the mid one twenties. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, you just kind of, dive in and go and just do it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I wasn't in great, well, I wasn't in good shape at all. And then, um, you know, six weeks of pretty high mileage and, you know, doing some decent workouts and some good long runs, uh, I've been able to get in um, at least decent fitness.
0: So as that deadline approaches, um, see, you're, you're speaking to my heart right now as a procrastinator myself. I love this idea of like the deadlines here. I got to get moving. Like that is, That is, I think, like the the subtitle. If I ever write an autobiography, that would be the subtitle. Like, the deadline's here, I got to get going. Um, So, when you have that situation where it's like, all right, I really got to get going, The, the time is now, is it more of, do you think from a motivation perspective, not even motivation, but just like how you frame it, is it more of like maximizing your own fitness to get the most out of yourself? Or do you feel like, you're pulled to the competition of it, like, all right, I want to, you know, beat this person or these people or, right, think that the story of this marathon is that Kipchoge is going to be running it, right, so he's going to be on course. Like, is it more internal or external or is it somewhere within that range?
1: I think it's different every time. I mean, a lot, a lot of times it is competition and in, uh, in the – when it comes down to it, ultimately, it is competition. Because I know when I get on the line, like once I finally get to Boston or whatever race I'm training for, I know in that moment I want to be fit because I want to be able to compete and I want to be able to to have the fitness to truly race people and, and try to beat really good guys. Um, when you're in the moment of training, you know, even six to eight weeks out, it's especially me because I'm I'm training alone. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to feel that or hard to think that. So sometimes, you know, I can think about racing, but it's still hard to feel like that, uh, competitive drive, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, it's hard to feel that like hard to get fueled by the competition, um, because it's just, it's not tangible in the moment. Um, so yeah, like, like a lot of it is just doing it. And I think, once I get fit, like once I start to have you know some good long runs where you know I can run under ten minute, or, no sorry, I can run under five ten pace per mile for you know twenty something miles without without really putting in much effort. Um, then I then I start to uh, get competitive because the fitness is like okay maybe I can compete now, um, and so you know I start to I start to feel more competitive and then that. That actually, then I start to do, get fueled by motivation, or, um, yeah, I am. Com- competition does fuel my motivation once I kind of get fit. So it's just the initial getting fit part is, um, I don't really know what mo- you just you just gotta do it.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, that makes <laughs> sense, right? Because as you're as it's like you hit that, like that, that, that basically minimum threshold. It's like now yeah. I'm able, like, once I get to this level, now I can say, all right, I can, re- I can race, I can compete, and you can think more externally versus maybe earlier on in the process where it's like, hey, no, I'm still trying to get into this and, and kind of feel my way. We mentioned earlier on a couple minutes ago. That you've run this race before, right? You've run two eleven here. You've run two ten here. Uh, what have those experiences in Boston um, done to inform you about how to train for this race specifically? If you do race, if you train for this race specifically, I'd love to hear about that. Or if it's just more of, you know, that you you know, this isn't really about this race course. It's more just about how you like to prepare for all marathons. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think I think being able to run up and down hills is helpful, but I don't think Boston is particularly hilly. I mean, there's a decent amount of downhills and there are some tough uphill sections. Um, but I think for the most part, you just have to be fit. And in the past, I've done maybe a little bit more uh, downhill work and more um, uphill work. Well, I've never really done, like, tons of uphill work, but at least I tried to. Um... Yeah, this year, I didn't do as much specific things as far as that, um, but I feel like, yeah, it's just kind of being, being fit, and I don't think, Bo- I mean, it's not like I'm running a trail race or something, like, it. Boston's really not. I actually I actually found, I think I like Boston better than a flat course, um, just that rolling style. <clears throat> like, I, I hate cross country because I'm not good at hills and, like, steep stuff and, dirt and stuff but the gentle rolling hills I think I'm actually kind of good at so um so yeah I like Boston and the the long run I do I've been doing has like it's a fairly rolling route so um yeah I mean I think I think sometimes people overthink the Boston course I mean it's the first half is super easy the second half has a couple hard miles and then it's easy so I mean it's yeah, I think people just kind of
0: overthink it. Yeah, and again, speaking from an amateur's perspective, I know for a lot of people, it's like it's not that the Newton Hills and the Heartbreak are that imposing. It's more for them, it's like where it falls in the course of like, okay, now yeah. I've been out here for almost two hours, or sometimes more for some amateurs, and like I'm also like now I'm on my glycogen stores because I've been out here for so long. It's like if they had just like transported those hills to like mile seven. They'd be like, ah, these aren't that bad. But it's like for so many people, it's like that can be so tricky because of where it falls on the race course. So thinking about more of the beginning of the course, when you think about like the downhill running and you talked about before, um, you know, kind of practicing some of the downhills. How do you approach downhill running? I just asked Nico Montagnes this exact same question in terms of like, how do you manage that first 10K that is so significantly downhill um, to not only – be as efficient as possible, but to also, you know, take advantage of whatever strengths that you have? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of find
1: a good rhythm. Um, and, I mean, I think the stronger you are, the, the more leeway you have, um, the more downhill running you've done, uh, both in the training block and in the past, kind of gives you um, more leeway of how fast you can go. Um, I, I, think just your, people's natural running stride either kind of lends itself to, to downhill, um, or uphill. Um, and then people's natural strength, like some people just, you know, have real good strengths in the quads. And so like it, the, the downhills, that eccentric motion doesn't really affect them that much. Some people like that's, that's a relatively weaker spot for them. So, um... Yeah, it really just kind of depends on the type of runner that you are. Like, what if you can go faster in those spots, or if you can't? Um, I think for me, for this year, I'm gonna be pretty relaxed on the downhills. Um, I think, I think I can run the <clears throat> kind of like the same pace relatively as my group is running downhills, but feel really easy. Um, so I think I'll probably do that. I haven't done as many runs where I've really blasted the downhills, I'll finish some of my long runs on a slightly downhill mile, like around 440, and that feels, like, really, really comfortable. So if I can, you know, if I can run, I mean, if I run 440 or 445 on the downhill miles, um, it, it can feel just like I'm. those are just free miles, then that's going to be good. Um, so that's probably how I'll, I'll manage it. Um, and then, you know, the last the last five the last five miles is, those are downhill too and that you just get to you just get to run <laughs> and see how fast you can go if you have any legs left.
0: Right. Yeah, I saw you did a was it twenty one mile there two weeks ago where you had you, you kinda of pushed it at the end on the downhills you ran a four was it four fifty four, then a four forty at the end. Was that with the idea of trying to mimic the end of Boston there or was that I guess targeted towards the race course, or was just that like was that just a normal twenty mile loop for you that you just decide to you know put the hammer down a little bit near the end?
1: Uh, I just like to finish down there because it's fun to finish a little faster. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of simulates Boston a little bit, but um, yeah, it's just kind of nice to to finish. Just not really, you know, being able to run like a four forty last mile, and not really having to. Work hard you just kind of just let the hill take you um it's not I mean I think it's like it's like 60 feet downhill it's not like it's that much but um it just feels I mean it just mainly just feels good uh, and then you know when I can run that and like my legs feel fine then um I guess it's partly a, a confidence booster um but yeah it's, it's mainly just I like to I like to finish downhill because it's fun to finish fast without You know, without, like, really having to, like, put as much effort as the time says.
0: (laughs) Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, why not? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) for sure. You just mentioned, like, all right, I'll run with my group downhill and hopefully it won't take me the kind of effort that, um, you know, putting out a huge effort to stay in that group. I guess I have to ask then, like when you think about that statement, is there a certain group that you have in mind in terms of like certain individuals or is this just more of like ad hoc in the moment, like the people you just happen to be near?
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of just have to figure it out as the race goes because you don't know. You just don't know how it's going to go. I mean, the, the, the top, the leaders through halfway could be anywhere from, you know, like. 59.40 to like 62.30 or even 63 flat. Like, um, I don't think they'll be 63 flat. I think they'll be far under that. But yeah, but I mean, they could be 63 flat and then close at like 61 and and run 204, which on Boston is, you know, would be the second fastest time ever. Um, But but yeah, I mean, they could go, they could easily go out sub-hour. And I mean, like if I was a if I was a fan, I wouldn't bat an eye at that because I mean, just knowing how the course runs, you can run really fast. And considering Kipchoge's already done that on a course that wasn't net downhill the first half, like it when not you know, um, they could do that pretty comfortably. So yeah, I mean, I so I'm not gonna run that fast. I even if I wanted to, um, I I can't run under an hour for a half marathon. It's just not gonna happen. So, yeah, when I go out, you know, I mean, how many groups will there be? Will there be another kind of like African elite pack that, that that's running like 62, 230, 63 flat? Um, you know, and would I be with them? Will there be like kind of like an American group running 64 flat or sixty three thirty? 30? You know, I, you, you don't really know. You don't really know what people are going to do, how big the groups will be if it's just kind of just a bunch of like really small groups i mean last year there was two there was the, the whole pack um pretty much all the african guys and then a couple americans um that that i was with and there was like 20 of us and then there was a more american pack of maybe 10 guys and it's pretty much just those two groups um but that's because the race we were out in sixty three twenty, which isn't you know it's comfortable for for most elites uh, and then the the American pack I think was somewhere around 64 minutes or 64 20 somewhere around there, um, and so that was a really distinct. Okay, there's two groups. They're both going appropriate paces for for each group. Um, but I think this year, because it could go out in like 60 flat, there's a lot more <laughs> possible groups. You know, so you you just don't really know. Um, yeah, so you just kind of run and off. All- you know, hopefully try to figure it out and look
0: around and find a group and go with them. So what's your relationship to your watch in these early stages of the race? And at what point does the watch become superfluous to whatever's going on?
1: Uh, I'll glance at it every now and then, but um, I'm not really watching it too much. Um, One, because in a race, I'll I'll change my settings to have all you know the all systems on or whatever it is so it's as accurate as possible. But, uh, you know, in a big marathon, that somehow it always gets a little off. Anyways, I mean, I'm looking at the official race box, but yeah, I mean, I'm aware of what pace I'm running, but I'm not necessarily making decisions based on that. Um, but for the majority of the time, my my uh, What I'm feeling and like what my subjective pace is, it's pretty close to what the actual pace is. So sometimes I'm feeling good, but I still, and like, I'm like, oh, like 445 pace is feeling way easier today. But I still internally know it's 445 pace. Like, even if I don't look at my watch, like, I know what I'm running. So um, it's more just about effort and how I'm feeling and, and, and where the groups are, especially for, for this, going into Monday, it's going to be where the groups are. So... You Know what my watch says is, um, it's, it plays a small role. You know, if I'm running like a bunch of 430s early on in the race, I'm, I'm maybe gonna make a conscious effort to, to back off. Um, well, I say that, but <laughs> who
0: knows? <laughs> well, let me ask you that like, when, you're obviously a competitive guy, anyone who's seen you race knows this and and you have hinted at this uh not just in this conversation but our previous one as well so when it comes to competition versus you know being conscious of what your pace and your fitness are and trying to be as efficient as possible when does it go from i guess is can you talk about like your mental mindset if like efficiency and being as you know, dialed in as efficient as possible from a pacing perspective is on one end of the spectrum. And the other one is purely competition and racing. I don't care what my time is. I'm here to win. I'm here to beat people. I guess, where do you fall during this race? And at what point does it start to shift? Does it from one end of the spectrum to the other? Um, I think
1: I, yeah, I mean, for the marathon, I think it always has to be like, kind of both at the same time. Um, So obviously you have to pace appropriately, um, but also be engaged in the competition at the same, you know, at the same time. And I think, especially for me, that's how I run best is when I'm really engaged with the competition. And I feel like I'm, I'm competing the whole time. Um, Yeah. So that, that's just kind of like, I don't know. Fi- finding a way to be comfortable kind of checked out and like tuned out with, with but in the back of your mind knowing that like you're racing and you're like biding your time like waiting to make a move or wait or you know or waiting to move up or um or maybe you're you know hoping some guys in the front group fall off and you're going to chase them down later. Um and so it's yeah, it's, it's it's just kind of both at the same time. And it's hard um because you can't really get emotional, I guess, in a marathon, like, early on, like, eight miles in, you can't just get excited, and, and, um, being like, yeah, like, I want to beat this person, and kind of surge, because it's like, you got 18 miles left, so (laughs) it doesn't matter, like, you know, so you have to be, um, but then at the same time, sometimes you can just kind of, like, overly fall asleep, and let, like, gas happen, and you kind of just slow down, and then you end up running by yourself, and now you're just out of the race, and it's, you know, you're, there's nothing, I mean, you're pretty much, you can maybe come back and run decent, but you're kind of done. So, um, yeah, it's just both at the same time. And I think it's, it's hard to do. Um, but, but that's part of like racing. I mean, you, you can get really fit. Um, and then you have to be able to, to race, um, both at an appropriate pace while competing so that you can get the most out of yourself possible. Cause I think that's, the adrenaline of competing is how people achieve more than what they can normally do. So you have to be able to access that while at the same time living within the the bounds of, you know, physical reality.
0: <laughs> it's a good place to live. Um, especially when you're trying to pace yourself for sure. So how have you evolved as a racer over time in the marathon um, in regards to just like maturity in a race and patience and understanding like, okay, this person's going out like hard at this point, but they're going to come back to me or like, all right, there's a person ahead of me. I want to close that gap in the right way to do that. Whether it's like a harder push over a half mile mile versus, you know, a two to three mile lead in to go catch them. How have you evolved from a race tactic perspective? And I guess on top of that, um, not to make this question too lengthy um, in terms of like also gauging, you know, the competitors in the moment, right. Versus, you know, trying to get a feel for like how someone is feeling in that point, you know, whether they're ahead of you or next to you in terms of, you know, your own strategic decision-making. Um, yeah, I think it, I think
1: in a way it's a little bit difficult. Um, I think doing some of the small marathons, like I've done, Grandma's a few a few times. Um, actually, I haven't necessarily been in the best shape when I've done those, but I've been able to to race well. Um, and I think those races are actually they're different because what what you were just describing is is reading other people, competing against certain people um, to try to like you know win or, or place high. Um, and when you're running a race like Boston. Or, like, when I was going to Valencia or you know, big races like that, it's like realistically, like, when guys are just you know, eight minutes more fit than you, you're you're unless they have a bad day, you're not really gonna like beat them, probably. So, there's not really like a whole lot I can do, anyways. Um, whereas, like, when I run like grandmas or something like that, it's like, yeah, like, I can, like, when I ran it last time, I wasn't necessarily fit, but I'm like, I'm just gonna run just really relaxed and kind of just get with the pack when I need to but also run my own race so there's times when they kind of surge and I just hung back with another guy or two and then like they'd come back and kind of yo yoed and I ended up being fifth um and there was some, it was a pretty good field last year um but I felt like I raced pretty well and so in those races you know I've kind of learned like okay like how I can when there's a small pack up front sometime like the year before um it, that was a smaller race but um i wanted to to break the pack open and so there was some downhill stretches where i took we had like a lead pack of six and by the time we we're done with that downhill mile everyone was running by their and and that's that's the type of race i wanted because um i also wasn't super fit for that race and so i didn't want to run super fast because i couldn't run that fast so I was like, if everyone else is miserable and by themselves and having to run a tough race, then I'm probably going to be, I'm probably going to do pretty well. And I did; I got second. So um, because everyone, the last half of the race, everyone was basically by themselves because I kind of was messing up the pace and <laughs> you know spreading it out. So there's little things like that, but I think um, overall, I haven't raced that. I mean, you don't race the marathon that much, and there's still yeah, there's still a lot of, like, learning and and figuring things out, um, and, you know, like, the Olympic trials is, like, tactics in that, um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know, like, I'm not, like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll have some experience and can maybe read people, but, um, also, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm kind of gonna be guessing and trying to figure it out during the race, too, like, I'm not, like, I don't think I'll have, like,
0: just tons and tons of experience. Um, Yeah. So is there a certain way that you determine what your marathon pace is or your marathon fitness level? Do you have key workouts that dictate this? Is this more like heart rate based? You just go by feel. You've done a lot of races in the past. Like how do you determine what your fitness level is?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, you don't really know exactly and I think like every course is a little bit different. So the marathon pace for that course is going to be different. Like Boston's really hard to tell because you can't really go off pace. Um, you know, if you have like, it depends how big the headwind is. Depends how many people are in the pack. Because, I mean, just, just if you have like a 20, if you have like a 15, 20 person pack and you're um, just sitting in the middle of a drafting, that can be. That could be five, six seconds a mile, um, in addition to the, the downhill stretches of it, um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to really know, and, again, like, I work out alone, so, this particular, like, in the past, I've kind of known what I could do, um, for the most part, this block, I'm not exactly sure, because it feels like, in a sense, I haven't really pushed anything, um, everything's been just, uh, I'm just, just kind of running. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, my workouts, even my long runs, like, my 24-mile run, I averaged 5.04 pace, which looks like, oh, I just ran really hard. But, I mean, it, I, I didn't. I just kind of ran. And, um, I mean, I was running hard. Like, it's hard to know how close I was to running, you know, hard. Because uh, I think I'm, I'm getting, you know, the older you get, the more you train. You just, you just learn how to be really relaxed very, very close to like your peak performance anyways. So am I Am I just becoming better at being relaxed right up the maximum of what I can do? And so, you know, 504 pace feels super easy because I'm just good at relaxing. And, you know, maybe I can only run five minute pace. Um, you know, I don't really know. Or can I run 450 pace? Um, probably not 450 but I don't know somewhere around there so yeah I don't know you don't really know and then uh yeah and then you you take a few days easy um I say a few days easy because I don't I don't really believe in long tapers yeah let's Um, talk
0: about that I want to dive into that. that Was gonna be my next question I know you ran uh 21 miler on Easter so it was two days ago and um, who was around 513 pace, I think, was the average. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember that from earlier today. Five oh nine, Okay, great. Um, again, so that's exactly one week out from the race. I know you did a workout today. What does a taper week, I guess you just mentioned you're not a big fan of, of longer tapers. How do you approach taper week, and how does this week play into your thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've traditionally done like a, a, a taper week, how most people do it. Maybe I run slightly more um, just because, you know, that's what they say you're supposed to do. But um, especially because I had such a short buildup, like that was actually, you know, good training. Again, I've only had like six, I'd say six real weeks of training training. Maybe eight that were at least had good mileage. Um, I feel like I I don't really have time, I didn't have time to taper anyways. (laughs) It's like I kind of got to get all my training and all my sharpening in right away and then, you know, have a few days to rest. But also, I think, I think the, when I look at the research on tapering and the uh, reasoning, I, I just don't think it applies to. I don't think it really applies to any elite marathoner, to be honest, but I don't, but I don't know who cares about other ones, um, you know, I'm, I'm me. So I don't think it applies to me as much because it like, they talk about like glycogen storage and that's just, I don't, if you're an elite run, if you're an elite marathon and you've been running for 20 years or how you know, whatever, hundred and whatever miles a week. Most people run in the morning fasted. You should be pretty good at burning mostly fat on an easier run. I mean, most of marathon training is you're just jogging around. So most of that's burning fat. Especially the last week, you're, you're doing a little bit of intensity, but your workouts are fairly shorter. You're doing maybe one somewhat moderately hard session. You're not really burning a whole lot of carbs, just jogging around. So like, what what is... I mean, how, how can you be that low on glycogen? It just doesn't make sense. So, um, and elite runners are different than the, than the, even the trained runners they study. They're not like, they're not people running 140 miles a week. So I don't, I don't, and I'm, I think I'm just more fat adapted than maybe the average runner just because I've done more fasting and fasted runs. So. Um, so that's that part of it. And then there's the, there's the muscle fatigue and it's like, Oh, your, your body's repairing all the stuff. I never feel muscle fatigue. Like I don't, not to say I never, that sounds dumb, but like, I'm not, I'm rarely sore. Uh, like I don't feel beat up, especially like after like one or two days of easy running, like even after I run a marathon, you know, two days later, you know, I'm fine. And, and I think, Mentally, I think people are tired, but I'd say the vast majority of elite marathoners, especially now with shoe- the shoes, two days later they're fine. Like physically, they're not a hundred percent, but they can go out for a run and feel very minimal soreness. Like especially three days later. So that whole part I don't really buy. Um, again, this is for like elite elite people, um, and then things with red blood cells because you know running a lot kills your red blood cells. So now they have time to recuperate. I don't, I don't know. I think, again, with the shoes, like, there's just less impact. And elite runners are typically lighter. We're more efficient. So, and we've run so much. I just, I just. I don't think our red blood cells are that depleted from running. Um, so I think just backing off, like, okay, and then, like, plasma volume, for example, when you give blood, you replenish your plasma volume in like 24 hours. You don't replenish all your red blood cells, but you replenish your plasma volume. So like, I mean, things can like repair, like replenish pretty quickly. So um, I don't, and your mitochondria, like, I mean, you can lose, you can actually, they say you don't lose fitness, but you can lose fitness in your mitochondria like within a week. Um, I mean, if you're if you're doing a little bit of running, you're probably maintaining it. But um, I mean, and, and everybody in track, everybody in college, everyone, they always race in the middle of hard training weeks and do perfectly fine. A lot of times they do just as good, sometimes even better in the middle of the season than they do when they tapered and peak at the end. So and that's for, you know, that's for. And they're doing more intense workouts because they have to run faster than threshold in their race. Whereas for so the marathon, it's just a bunch of easy. I mean, it, a lot of it, like especially, well, what I'm doing now in, in the taper or sharpening phase is, is mostly I'm not doing anything like a lot faster than threshold. So I'm not I'm not damaging my mitochondria in any way or, or really stressing them. I'm not really stressing anything. Um, you know, my mile repeats today, I think I maybe had one or two of them that got under threshold. And so I'm running like a four and a half minute rep, just faster than the threshold. I mean, I'm, I'm barely stressing the body. So, um, and mileage for me does like, it, I feel good when I'm running more mileage. So, and I think, I think like, I don't think Kipchoge actually like tapers much. I remember reading the, Thing. I, they, they, he doesn't, you know, share all of his training, but I think I read something like the week before. I mean, his he was like 120 or something before breaking two or I don't remember what it is, but I bet he actually doesn't really taper much. But then when I travel, like from Thursday to, to Monday, that will be, you know, pretty light. But yeah, so that's my that's my thoughts. So basically everything's been. Relatively normal, just slightly backed off like, you know, I only did 21 and I kept it really relaxed for the long run. And then this workout, I made sure not to push anything. And then I'll just do some light turnover stuff on Friday, Um, you know, some strides on Sunday. And then hopefully, hopefully hopefully I'm good. Um, And then also, they say you can't gain fitness in the last week, which I don't think you can gain fitness probably, but you can increase your running economy because your, your your neuromuscular system makes changes super fast. Like, I mean, if you've ever weight lifted, I mean, I've, put all, I've been able to increase my bench press by like 20, 30 pounds in, in a matter of like five to seven days just because the neuromuscular system is like, oh, this is how you...
0: Lift so right, you weren't building muscle I mean, in those days, it was all a neuromuscular yeah, yeah
1: exactly. I, yeah, you didn't build any muscle, um, but it, so
0: you know, with,
1: with the same train of thought, an elite runner should be like pretty well with their neuromuscular system. So, I mean, yeah, you're probably not gonna gain much, but again, since I had a shorter build, um, and and those 440 paces, I haven't done like maybe a, as much work as maybe. I'd want to, I can, you know, now, um, I can get just like, just a little bit, you know, more smooth at that pace and, and dial in that system. So, you know, so theoretically there is still things to be gained in the last, in the last week. Um, so... Uh,
0: we'll I, see. <laughs> I really appreciate that scientific deep dive into the taper. That was fantastic. Thank you for sharing well, it, that. It was
1: a. It, I don't know if I would call it scientific. It was more just. Well, it's
0: obvious that you've done a lot of research on the topic. I guess let me put it that way.
1: Yeah. It was. It was. It was. Um. Me taking science and then just kind of making stuff up uh, based on what I what I want to do. <laughs> we'll
0: do. We'll do two truths <laughs> and a lie <laughs> yeah. on CJ's on CJ's taper thoughts. <laughs> yeah. well that was good. it it was really good nonetheless i really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on the subject whether they were science or pseudoscience or somewhere (laughs) in between um let's talk about the logistics right so tell me about your travel schedule um any sponsors any sponsor obligations you have over the weekend and how you like to approach the weekend of a big race like this
1: yeah i'm flying out uh six in the morning um, Thursday and then I'll arrive at 5 p.m Boston time um and then yeah hopefully just get to the hotel maybe hopefully if things go smoothly I can like shake out and do a little run before dinner um yeah and then kind of relax Friday I think I'm doing like a beat the tea event with Brooks uh, I want to say at 2 30 and then Saturday. Uh, we have, I think Boston, we have like a little press conference thing. Maybe, that might be Friday. I don't know. We have so, something with Boston and then Saturday Brooks and Sidious Mags doing like a little interview, uh, pre-race thing with me and a few other runners. Um, I don't remember. That the, I bro- at some- the Brooks Hyperion house on Newberry yeah, street? Yeah, the Hyperion house. Yeah. Um, I think it's on Newberry street. I think it's uh,
0: 235 Newbury Street people are listening to this now.
1: okay that sounds right yeah and then that's around three o'clock there's a, there's a Hyperion house website um, and then yeah and then Sunday just um, we're doing a shakeout run with Brooks at eight from the Hyperion house um, and then we had like our technical meeting at 12 one uh, I think one. Um, and we get our bibs and turn in all of our elite bottles and stuff either before or after that, depending on where your last name falls, I'll be before. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. But most of the weekend is just kind of relaxing, trying to sleep a lot, um, get on the Boston time zone. Um, it usually, that's not too hard to adjusting, especially since I have to wake up really early for a flight. I'm just kind of naturally fall right into the, to the East coast time. Um but yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty relaxed going into it this year. Um, and it's going to be really exciting with, I mean, with Kipchoge there and just the whole field that's there. Uh, and the, the weather is supposed to be like a very nice weekend. So, um, you know, I mean, there's really no pressure on me either because, you know, it's, uh, always say I want to run good, but like it's, um, with the field, I mean, there's just, yeah, so I think I think it's just going to be a really fun weekend, um, and I think it'll be set up for me to, to run pretty well,
0: too. All right, night before, is there a certain meal you like to have or are you planning on having? And um, I guess from a lounging around perspective, you're going to be off your feet, I'm, I'm assuming. So is there certain like movies you like to watch or certain something you like to do the night before a race to kind of put yourself at ease to get ready for a race day? Uh, night,
1: night before, I'll probably just have a little bit of rice and bread, maybe a little bit of meat, whatever they have. Cause it, the, all the elite athletes that they, they have, like, like meals for us in the hotel. And I typically just stick with those. Um, and yeah, so basically just rice and bread and maybe a little bit of meat. Um, just very, very simple, low fiber, mostly just a little bit of carbs. Uh, not a very exciting meal. <laughs> Maybe I'll put a little bit of salt on the rice. <laughs> but yeah, it's very simple. Um, yeah, and then mo- shows and movies. I don't, there's nothing really new right now that I'm watching. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to find something and start something when I'm in uh, in Boston. I'll bring my fire stick. But yeah, I don't have anything. Look, it, two years ago, I was watching um, the Squid Games. That was. I think that was 2021. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> and uh, that came out. and But last year, I don't know what I did last year. Yeah, so this year, I don't know. There's, yeah, there's nothing. If anyone has any recommendations, I guess, but there's, I feel like nothing's come out recently.
0: All right, almost went three for three. So we had, I talked to Danny and Nico today. And actually, unbeknownst to each other, they both said the movie Miracle before, mm. uh, that they liked to watch it the night before. So I was wondering if we we're going to go three for three on that one. Yeah. No, I haven't seen That 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 one's been out. Sounds like you're trying to be more like, I want to watch something new. I'm always like, I like to go with the hits. Oh.
1: Yeah, no, I normally watch. Well, or a lot of times I'll just put on Parks and Rec until I fall asleep because I don't have to actually
0: watch. That's what I'm talking about, CJ. Yes.
1: (laughs) I know every episode. I know all the work. I, I used to do it with friends too, but I don't have it. Now it's only on HBO or whatever it's on, and I don't have that. So. Just uh, yeah, just parks and Recs. It just kind of plays.
0: <laughs> um, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm all about this. I'm 100. I think all the rest of our episodes are gonna be parks and Rec themed episodes because I <laughs> that's my favorite show. Um, that's great. All right, I guess last thing before we get going. Obviously, we want to have safe travels. Wishing you the best of luck the entire weekend for sure. Um, last thing is race day morning. What was what's breakfast for you?
1: Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not. I don't really eat. I won't really eat a lot, I'll probably have, I'm not, I'm not sponsored, so it's not a, not a plug or anything, but I'll probably have a Martin Solid Bar, just because I, um, I've been trying them, and sometimes I'll only do, like, gels and stuff, um, but I like, I like to actually eat something, I just never really felt comfortable eating a lot, like, sometimes I'd eat a cliff Bar, but I've actually liked the Martin Solid Bars, and they taste good, it's like eating candy, um, and I, I've been doing that before my workouts and long runs. Uh, and my stomach seems to feel good with it. So I'll probably do that. Have a bar. Um, and then just sip on a on a kind of electrolyte slash a little bit of sugar drink. Um, and then, yeah, maybe have like a little bit of gel and some ketone esters as I'm warming up. Just to kind of balance. So I have all my carbs in there, but my blood sugar is not like too high, and the um, and the ketone esters kind of help, but if you only have those, sometimes you feel kind of, like, too down, because your blood sugar can get a little low, so if you have both at the same time, I typically feel pretty good, and then, yeah, my stomach should feel pretty light, because I had a light dinner, and, you know, mostly just really light stuff before the race, so I'm typically feeling, like, nice and light and loose going into the race, but I've still, you know, I've still... My glycogen stores are still probably pretty, pretty close to topped off.
0: I love that. All right. I said that was the last question, but now I have to follow up because you're the first person I've talked to who has volunteered that they take ketone esters. So when did you start incorporating those into your training?
1: Um, right before the Olympic trials, I, I don't actually know how I just like,
0: I'm always like researching things. Um, I mean, they've been around for a long time, but I know yeah, that, like, from an endurance training perspective, it. it's more like the last eighteen months. Yeah,
1: cycling always—you know—the cyclists yeah. always know about stuff five years before <laughs> runners. Um, <laughs> well, also,
0: they can eat anything on the on the ride. Like, they're well, they not have yeah. to worry about jostling up and down. They can have, yeah, they have a freaking pasta dinner on on the bike if they want to.
1: Yeah, but when it comes to, like sports nutrition stuff, like cyclists are always way ahead of, of mm. runners are always the last to figure things out. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, I don't, it was sometime before the Olympic trials um, I started, I started kind of experimenting with them and um, felt pretty good. My training was also really good. So it was hard to say like, you know, what was attributed to what, but, but there's some decent research on it. Um, and I think for marathon performance, you know, I'm still, like, I don't know how much it helps, but I've, I found if I take, like, a moderate dose, um, because, like, sometimes when I'm taking, like, gels and stuff before the race, I just, like, too much sugar, you just kind of feel kind of off, and I feel like when I have the ketones, I, it, it's just, I'm more stable, Um, but then sometimes when I've, you have just too much straight ketones, you just kind of feel, like, like I remember before the marathon project, I probably had too much and I didn't have any, like I had very little or any carbs and I just felt very stale at the beginning, um, which will happen if your blood sugar is a little too low. And then, so yeah, I've kind of found the moderate amount and then, uh, and then I mean they're, yeah, and then I think I think they're really good for training though, like. I feel like you can recover a little bit better if you have a little bit before a long run, and then you have a little bit after. Um, and there's been some studies on that. On on, uh, they like cyclists would use it like kind of prevent overtraining. It would it'll help them with recovery and um, possibly with glycogen resynthesis. But it it could help with your mitochondria. Um, they say I don't. Know, they say ketones kind of help mitochondrial health. I don't. Fully known but um, there's at least some research, so you know I'll try it. I mean, and the then, thing uh... is, like
0: you said, like if cyclists are doing it, and they're and those teams are just loaded. There's, like the teams are big. Like the the support staff, there's more support staff than riders on these teams, yeah. and like they're so dedicated. So if they're doing it, and they're doing it on mass, usually that's a pretty good sign that it makes a difference so again I be every, every obviously every individual is different and maybe it works different for every individual but if you found a good methodology that works for you that makes all the sense in the world I have heard that they taste like hot garbage I don't know what your what your experience is with that but I've, I've never tried one but I've heard it, yeah I mean heard it, some, it some not some great things on the on the taste perspective
1: yeah it doesn't taste great but I mean you're having like you know 30 to 60 milliliters I, I've I've kind of which is like one swig. Like for me, like 30 milliliters is just like one swig. And so yeah. it's like, who cares what it tastes like? It's like two seconds. And then you right. like just have a little bit of water out there and <laughs> you know, you're done.
0: <laughs> there yeah. you go. All right. I got to give this a try for sure. I know my, my friend Finn Melanson who does a single track podcast actually has the ads for uh for, for the ketone ester. So I got to give it a try. Yeah, I use, of I, course I think, I the, I think my training ketone. has a lot more needs than just I what, the, <laughs> whether I'm taking those or not. Yeah.
1: I use the ketone aid, which the, the, the owner, his name is Frank. I mean, I remember for, for the Olympic Trials, he had his he has phone number on the website. So I just texted him and was like, "Hey, I'm a you know I'm a marathon runner," and, and he called me and we just talked for whatever. It is so funny because I'm like, how many companies just the guy just puts a number out there and you just call him and talk about the product. <laughs> uh, so he's been really he's been really great. And um,
0: I can't tell if yeah. that's a good thing it, or it bad thing. Likes,
1: yeah, I mean I don't know, but he just likes to he likes to. I feel like he genuinely likes to hear, like he's not just trying to sell the product. Like he's, he's
0: loves, right, he's committed
1: and the applications for it. So he's like, all right, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried, Like what works for you? Like he, he doesn't, he doesn't tell you how the product's supposed to work. He's just like, yeah, like use it, maybe try this, figure out like what works like, and he's interested in, in people experimenting with it um, to see, you know, what it does and how it works for them, how they've got the best results. Um, which is like what I like to do. Like, I don't like to say anything like definitively works or doesn't work. It's like, you just kind of try it and, um, you know, you, you, you take things that have some research behind it and then fiddle with it and and see if it works or see if it doesn't. Um, and so that's, that's what I liked. I liked that he was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly. It was just, (laughs) just try different things
0: and try different dosages and, um, yeah. So there you go. CJ, thank you so much for sharing. As always, I really appreciate your insight into all of this. Best of luck, you know, in terms of the race. Safe travels to the New England area, and, uh, we know, we wish you all the best.
1: All right, yeah, sounds good. Thank you.